Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. It is Thanksgiving weekend. Of course, we're here live. I don't know about the rest of the syndicated world. I imagine they might be taking this day off, too. But here we are, taking your calls about whatever you want, if you make them. Otherwise, we get to some of the uh, the stuff that we had to talk about. In fact, one of the things I wanted to do tonight, Mark, was get back to an email we never really got through earlier this week. We got you know bogged down in discussion. The show ended, and we never finished it up. And That's what happens around here. Well, the email, and, and I thought it was a good email, it was, uh, it was one of those emails about, oh, no, the free market society, it's going to fail. Uh, because I talk, about, I talk a lot about uh, moving in a more voluntary direction uh, as far as getting society away from this authoritarian government style of uh, rule that we have to a more self-rule situation where each individual owns his or her own self completely and their property completely, and then you know they interact with one another on a consensual basis to get things done instead of this old, archaic, outdated governmental system that we have today that you are one of the uh, the people that is sort of a fan of hanging on to well, that I, idea. You know, probably more so uh, that I am uh, I'm under the belief that uh, people get bogged down when you talk about this entirely free society. They go to places where uh, I think you would agree – uh, you know, we could. It would be the last place, one of the last places you would look for for freedom. They go to roads. Do I think that that's the biggest area of freedom that we could find in the United States? I think that cops could probably uh, stop pos- prosecuting the drug war, and that we could see taxes uh, lowered by seventy-five percent. That'd be a nice step in the right direction. And I'm with you all the step. way. I'm with you all the way. But of course, I talk about going all the way completely and ending authoritarianism and, and ending coercion and advancing and, and sort of evolving to a a true free market, uh, consensual world. So that's what he's critiquing here. He's saying that he believes that uh, he believes that there is a strong chance, these are his words, strong chance that human nature would destroy a sustained anarchist society in one of three ways. This is Stephen writing the email. Now, the first one I believe we, we did get a chance to address. He suggested that some power-hungry individual like Bill Gates would amass a whole bunch of money and then go and take places over with force. And of course, I pointed out that it's just not economically feasible because old Bill wouldn't have the ability to print money out and essentially buy things with printed money like our current government does. Uh, the current uh, the government of uh, the United States was not able to easily wage war when it actually had value-backed currency. It but, would actually have to tax people, and people would pay those taxes if they wanted to to go to the war. If people didn't want to go to war, they wouldn't pay the taxes, and then the government wouldn't be able to pay a soldier to go. I think that that answer is helpful. But I don't. It doesn't show the whole picture. There's more to the story. I was giving you one of the things. I don't want to go through all the details. But another one is that uh, in a free market world, there's no international law. There's no uh, internal agreements between countries because those wouldn't exist. Uh, countries to not attack the the dictator, to not attack the president, to not attack the head of state. So if this guy, this madman, decided that he'd been uh, satisfying people for the longest time, because it's the only way you can make money in a true uh, free free market world, is by satisfying your customers. So deciding that he wants to change his mind, stop satisfying his customers, and all of a sudden turn his wealth in the direction of oppressing people, he would find himself most wanted. He would find himself the number one guy for every bounty hunter in the, in the world to go after. 
and you want to talk about a real difficult situation to be in. I mean, even his right and left-hand men would be subject to collecting that bounty. So it would be a very, very precarious position that you would be putting yourself in uh, if you wanted to go initiate force. So it's not economically feasible. It's also not feasible from a uh, defensive standpoint. If you're going up against armed uh, armed citizenry plus their armed hired guards, you're going to have a real tough time, and you're going to lose significant uh, you're going to lose significant people, and if you start losing people, you're going to have to start paying more to hire new ones. So again, it's just it just doesn't work. So we go on to his next critique. He believes that another thing that might destroy a free market or anarchist society is submission due to fear. He says eventually something horrible will happen. A war with a traditionally governed state, a terrible storm, meteor, plague, zombies. Take your pick. Though the market may be able to deal with this problem better than any government, I am inclined to think that people would give their freedom to someone who put on the air of authority and said they could solve the problem and save their lives. As seen during Hurricane Katrina, most people are quite willing to submit to authority, disarm, leave their homes, and be relocated to an unsafe location if they're told told that they'll be taken care of and if they go with uh, captors, they'll live. The urge to live is strong, and in most cases it can overpower principle and reason. If something sufficiently bad happens, people would gather around what they consider to be their only hope or their savior and would give them the power to rule. Desperate times, he says. And you know what? First of all, I think that in order to get to a true consensual society, we're going to have to have a major paradigm shift. People are going to have to reject sort of the traditional mode of authority, and I think that would go a long way to making people a little more skeptical when someone was coming along, uh, pointing, trying to point them in a certain direction and asking for their obedience. That said, though, even if it, it's, let's say it is possible what he's suggesting here, it's certainly possible that people could uh, give up their freedoms and join some charismatic leader, in which case, that's their choice. Are they not giving up their freedoms and joining charismatic leaders now? Indeed. So, I mean, if that's one of the, if that's supposed to be one of the scariest things about going to a consensual society in this guy's mind, one of the three things that could bring it down, okay, let's get to that free world where we can enjoy our liberty for a while, and if some uh, sheep want to go back and, and what, follow currently, what we the have, what we have is a system that uh, in, actually incentivizes what he's talking about. How many Americans would have voted for Barack Obama if there were ten choices for president? You mean ten choices they thought they could actually um, they could pick? You mean if they, right. if they picked their leader, they'd get right. to Instead follow of that basic, leader? Basically, and I, you know, it's not being fair to the, the third parties out there, but more or less the way that it enters into people's mind, the way it shows up in people's mind, is that there's a Democrat candidate and a Republican candidate, and then mm-hmm. all those other guys that uh, have pipe dreams. That's how they imagine it. So they vote for one or the other because those other guys can't win. So, so you essentially get two choices, and we had some really crappy choices. How many Americans would have allied themselves with Barack Obama if there had been on the same ticket Hillary Clinton and uh, Edwards and, and, you know, Ron Paul and all these, you know, just a whole bunch of other choices. Yeah. And that just goes to show what the presidential election would have been like if we didn't have this silly two-party system that we have. Absolutely. So you... You have currently people that are behind Barack Obama that wouldn't have been behind him, that, that, that didn't even vote for him in the, uh, that, in, in the primary because he's their best choice. Right. So they might have go. wanted Ralph Nader, but they, you know, they, wouldn't, they weren't able to select him. So if they or, could choose a Ralph Nader and actually follow Ralph Nader, Ralph could set up his own little government. People could come join it. How many, hundreds so? of, how many hundreds of thousands of people voted for uh, Edwards or Clinton in the uh, primaries but voted for Barack Obama in the, the general because that was the Democratic nominee? Yeah, because he was better than McCain. Right. To their mind. To their mind. 
All right, so his third and final scary scenario is submission due to charisma. He says it's been seen through history that figures arise which can appeal to the masses to such a degree as to override their reason. Alexander, Hitler, Jim Jones, L. Ron Hubbard, Stalin, all of them were able to draw in the attention of, of the people, some people I would say, and change their way of thinking and through force of personality and the predisposition of people to be ruled to make them give up their freedom. Eventually there would arise a man with an idea. It may or may not be a good idea, but it would have appeal. Hitler had an idea, and it was a terrible one, a terrible vision. Despite the this, the fire of this personality, of his personality, allowed him to sell it to a public that was no worse than any other in the world. Through his charisma, Hitler turned a nation of average people into the, one of the largest, most bloodthirsty bands of butchers this, this world has ever known. It's happened through history and isn't likely to stop. Someone would have an idea, a voice, and a will to rule, and that would be the end of freedom yet well, again. Um, I, I can't argue with uh, the idea that there would be a charismatic leader that may rise up, but a lot of these charismatic leaders uh, are there simply because the mechanism of government is there for them to take hold of alexander the great wouldn't have been the great leader had he not been king of macedonia in the first place if he was alexander the guy on the street corner yelling on a soapbox it might have been a little different alexander and yet another greek boy doing old men um as they as want was the tradition back then hitler was in place because germany was being so suppressed from their uh their their defeat by other governments in World War One, if it hadn't been for the need, you know, if the, if those governments hadn't been oppressing the nation of Germany in punishment uh, for World War One, then it, he wouldn't have risen to power. The toll-free number here. We'll look a little more into this idea. Take your calls about whatever you want at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com and the features there. Include the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Just head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. It's free. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. 800-259-9231. We're uh, just coming through a rema- the remainder of this email that we started in the uh, the middle of the week and just didn't have a chance to finish with some uh, scary scenarios about what uh, Stephen, in this case, believes might happen to a true free market society, a consensual society where there's no authoritarian government of which to speak. And as, uh, of course, we pointed out before, in order to really get to this point, people are going to have to have a, a major paradigm shift. They're going to have to come to understand that government is undesirable and that authoritarian government is unnecessary and it's, it's wrong. Uh, and so they're going to have to swing away from the current massively held viewpoint in order to even get to this point in the first place. And I think that's an important factor to remember when we're discussing what things might be like in the future. So if we have a situation where there is no gover- uh, where there's no authoritarian government to speak of, and you've got each individual, perhaps they have uh, hired a defense organization of some sort to help protect them, uh, but otherwise they're, you know, they're interacting on a consensual basis. If we have that scenario and this charismatic leader comes along, 
per his scare story here, this charismatic leader comes along. There is no apparatus of the state with which or to which he could take a hold of uh, and wield wield that power over others. That, that that apparatus doesn't exist. So how would he go about recruiting into his charismatic crazy club or whatever it was that he's doing? You know, brainwashing people. He mentioned L. Ron Hubbard, uh, Hitler, Stalin. So let's say you've got somebody with a cable television show and a website and a radio show or something and he's you know he's this charismatic leader that's probably the best way for him to get out there i guess he could have local meetings but you know if you're going to try to take over america you're going to have to do better than just you know meeting for people or meeting with people in a in a convention hall in san francisco you know you're going to have to get your message out beyond a local uh, radius but let's say he's doing all of the above he's meeting locally with people he's uh, getting out on as much media and on the internet as he possibly can and he's spreading the word to uh, like what uh, join his cult and then eventually attack your neighbor what would what would this charismatic leader exactly i mean give me something horrific what what could this guy I, well they would he would uh, likely point hate at a certain group okay um hmm. so you know you, you pick a group uh white people okay they're, white, they're safe because it won't be nobody will be uh you know uh activated by that uh Terminology. Well, okay, yeah. So, so let's say uh, let, have, let's let's go after white men. While while we're at it, he's going to go hey, after white men. Hey, here's one. It's a woman, and she wants to do away with men. men because that's a good at this one. point, because then we're fifty fifty. Right. At, at this point, you're uh, you, you've got so many men that uh, you know they're they're fighting wars and they're you know polluting the environment and whatever everything that, that the men do. Yeah. Perfect. So she's going after men. She's preaching this anti-male hate. On uh, various different radio, television, etc., on the internet, and people are slowly coming on board. They're coming on board. Of course, they probably don't want anyone to know they're coming on board because it's a pretty crazy viewpoint. Uh, so they're probably going to keep that quiet until one day they'll all attack. It'll be a coordinated sneak attack against the men of the world. And well, of she'll course, probably have uh, meetings in uh, football stadiums and things like that too. Well, she's gotten get, get well. There's a certain up. well. There's a certain point at which where she'll get to in popularity, where people will start to take notice. So if she's not very popular and hardly anybody knows about her, then she's not really much of a threat. I mean, as far as remember, we are dealing with a, uh, a free market society where anybody can own whatever weapons they want to. So. Whoever it is that she recruits to do her bidding is going to have to understand that their next-door neighbor or the man in their household or whatever is a good chance that he might have access to some sort of a firearm or knife. More or... likely, um, this person would move off to someplace, like Jim Jones, for instance, would okay. move off to someplace, uh, get a, a, a geographic area that they claim as their own, and then begin expanding, Expand that, out ge- from there? Yeah, expanding that geographic area. Well, then people are really going to know something's up. I mean, if you, if you get, the, get wind that a bunch of people are moving to one geographic area... And that they're planning on killing men because you're going to have to be publicizing this if you want people to come to your little movement. Then the people on the outskirts of that area are probably going to be pretty prepared. I mean, they're going to be aware of this as a potential uh, factor that marauding, crazy women could be coming in trying to kill all the men in the surrounding areas. They'll be ready for this, and so whatever they'll do, what they need to do, they'll hire a defensive organizations. They'll uh, bring militia groups in, and I'm just I'm trying my best to think of how some charismatic leader could really uh, wield a bunch of people to his favor in this free market world. I'm really trying here. If you can help me out, maybe come up with something crazier or something more. Um, plausible uh, 1-800-259-9231 it just seems very difficult without the apparatus of the the violent state to take a hold of 
seems a very difficult for them to uh, to do this and without the worship because if there's no state around then the media is not going to be worshiping the state anymore we'll have a true sort of consumer based media with lots of competition where people will be able to get the story from various different sources as they currently can today on the internet that will be expanded obviously is what we're talking about happening is going to be happening in the future so there's not going to be this mass media situation where they worship everything government does because there's no government and there's no mass media anymore. So how does this person take over? How does it happen? Give me something believable. 1-800-259-9231. In the meantime, we finish up the email. He says, because of this, I believe that government is indeed necessary. If for nothing else, we need a government as a placeholder. Like the- I, I don't disagree with the placeholder theory. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, it's, it's, some, it's something I'm willing to, to work for, work towards, and then at that point, once we get the placeholder, then people, I feel, we can look at something beyond yeah. that. Well, you're, what you're saying is you prefer a smaller gang ordering people around than a larger gang. A, a, a smaller like gang gangs. issuing far fewer orders. Yeah, I, I, and, and I will continue to work against those people at that time. Uh, like benign bacteria which inhabit every inch of your skin, it could serve no other function than taking up space and keeping something worse from taking its place. Because our species as a whole has a genetic predisposition to have an authority, I think it needs at least a vestigial... A vest- Vestigial, vestigial, vestigial government. I think was the way he spelled it. If only to stop people from finding a new, harsher master. With that being said, I appreciate what you're doing. I think moving toward freedom is the correct direction, even if the destination's unattainable or impossibly far away. Without a voice to oppose the government, it would surely give in completely to one of the other dispositions of our kind. The disposition to abuse a position of power for personal gain, as though it hasn't done that. Uh, Perhaps through this constant gentle pressure, we can hold off the sudden and shocking revolutions which have plagued us when uh, when oppressors have grown too powerful and too corrupt. So again, this sort of mentality that Steve has is that people are just so weak and so pathetic that they they're going to need to have this this uh, tiny government around to keep them from finding a worser, harsher government. And and I see where he's coming from, and I understand the negativity about people. I do understand that. Uh, but I think that again, we're talking about a situation that will involve people coming to a new paradigm shift of understanding. Sort of like people threw off the old vestiges of slavery, they will throw off the vestiges of the states. When you say people coming to a new paradigm of understanding, don't you really? Aren't you really just trying to do what the Democrats and Republicans are in that you're trying to get people to vote your way? I mean, I'm not asking for votes. You're just hoping that the most. No, you're not asking for votes specifically, but you're pe- hoping that people will think your way. And that's not really going to ever happen. I do, I'm not really too concerned how they think. I just want them to stop in uh, using force on me. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include the bulletin board system. There's a lot to talk about there. Over 400,000 posts. Free to surf around through from serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all free at 
freetalklive.com. In fact, you can go straight to uh, bbs.freetalklive.com, get you straight to the bulletin board system. And if you love liberty, then you should check out Bureaucrash Social. It's the place for you to connect with freedom fighters from around the world. At Bureaucrash Social, you can share your ideas, obtain resources, and document your activism, as well as find awesome videos and pictures uploaded by other crashers. Head over to bureaucrash.com to learn more and get involved. That's bureaucrash.com. I think that uh, Bureaucrash Social, I've been sort of watching some of the messages that come through there, seeing people join the Free State Project group. I've been watching it too, yeah. And the, the Free Talk Live group. I think, it's a, I think it's a very useful tool, and I hope it becomes more integrated uh, in the, the realm of uh, liberty activism more over active time. More active too, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So bureaucrash.com. Our number here is 800-259-9231. Let's go to your phone calls. Talk to Robert in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Robert. Hey. Hey, you're Hello. on the air. Hey, uh, I was, I'm just calling to uh, make a point about a guy that called a few nights ago about fiat currencies. Sure. He was claiming that uh, that if uh, private banks are allowed to uh, charge interest on money or gold, that they'll inevitably wind up with wind up with all the gold. Yeah, it's, and I just it's, think that that is just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty I ridiculous. Mean, Do you want to explain it's, why? It's like anybody saying, um, you know, it's like saying anybody who's able to make a profit on their services will end up with all the money. Yeah, that's it's completely absurd. It's it's absurd because all businesses have expenses too. <laughs> yeah. So they have to earn that profit as, to pay their employees and pay the power bill and things like that. And right. Investors. So it, they don't hold on to it. It isn't like it accumulates and accumulates forever and ever. <laughs> they spend it back out into the economy, and that's about all I had to say. I just, I, it was so ridiculous. I had to, I had to make sure that didn't go unsaid. Well, I'm glad you pointed that out. And if we missed that uh, very basic point, I apologize and I thank you for the call tonight. Thank you, Robert. Right, yes, sir. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. You know what, Mark? Have you heard about the Circle of Love? No. Oh, you're gonna, you are going to really dig this. I have no idea. It is the latest on the national service situation. Actually, the news is, is a little old. The interview comes from 2006. I was tempted to play it on the air, but it was just not high quality enough to, uh, to put out, I think, over the air. Uh, but nonetheless, somebody has dug up an interview with uh, reporter Ben Smith from the New York Daily News interviewing Rahm Emanuel. Now, do you recall who that name is? Yeah, that's the uh, what, sex state? No, se- uh, chief sex of state. state. <laughs> Secretary of State. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, he is going to be uh, Mr. Obama's chief of staff. And in this recording, he details his ideas for compulsory service for all Americans. Now, as as you know, if you've been watching this national service situation or national slavery, as I prefer to call it, if you've been watching it closely, they've been very delicately picking their words, haven't they? They've been talking about yeah, it's going to be universal, but it's also going to be voluntary. So, they, so universal, on one hand, means everybody does it, but on the other hand, voluntary says, well, it's a choice. So what's the truth? What's really going on here? I think anybody that has paid attention to the government over the years knows that they're going to say one thing to get people to accept it, and then it's going to be something completely different when it comes about. Right, but there's the proposal, and then there's what it turns out. There was the bailout and what we proposed to do there, and there was what they've done with it. It's something enti- it, it has a tendency to be something entirely different. Right. The bailout, I mean, which everybody was absolutely against. I mean, 99.9% of Americans or something like that was against the idea of the bailout. 
and they went ahead with it anyway. And that was back when Americans thought it was $700 billion. Now apparently it's $7.7 trillion. That's what it's looking like. If Americans were against $700 billion, I'm pretty sure they're also going to be against $7.7 trillion. But all that aside, let's hear what Mr. Emmanuel has to say about his plan for universal civil service. Uh, according to the interview, there can be nothing wrong, this is what he said, there can be nothing wrong with all Americans having a joint similar experience of civil, what we call civil defense training or civil service, some sense of service to country and preparation, which will give people a sense of what it means to be an American. It means to be an American, to work for the government? Apparently I mean, so. When the Founding Fathers set up America, they, 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 they envisioned a very hands-off uh, federal government. It was uh, really just meant to be something a bit more than the, uh, the, the Confederacy that was holding the, the states together at that point. Really, it was to regulate trade between the states. That's about it. I mean, what, what, what really what it's <laughs> what it means to be an American? Well, it's what he believes it means to right. be an American, apparently, and he wants to force that's it what on it means everybody. To be an American, to tell other people what it means to be an American. He says it will. Uh, apparently, he told this uh, interviewer that involuntary servitude will become a common experience and part of a government-mandated circle of love that will instill some sense of service to country. As reported uh, uh, last week, uh, the Obama transition team put up a website spelling out a plan for required national service. But the site was modified and the word required removed after a whirlwind of criticism on the web and across the blogosphere. It should be expected the corporate media ignored the controversy and instead concentrated on its regular diet of pablum, including the scandal of Sarah Palin and the RNC paying for her clothes. So there was there was more to that interview, and I'm going to leave a link up on the BBS. As always, we post the show prep over on the BBS and the issues forum. You can listen to the interview yourself, but it's quite clear by the wording this guy uses that this is intended for all Americans. He proposes a plan uh, for Americans between the ages of 18 and 25. So any Americans that pass between that age range would have to work for three months. In, this is his plan back in 2006. Who knows? It may be worse now. Uh, but back in 2006, his plan was that all Americans between 18 and 25 would have to go for three months of their lives straight to go and work for the government. Period. So that's what we know now. And as we continue to learn more, uh, we'll bring you it as we learn it here on Free Talk Live. Because I think this is going to be one of the critical issues of the next coming uh, term with, with this next president. The, the idea of forcing uh, national service down people's throats is going to be quite uh, – it's going to be realized. They're going to work towards it. Maybe they'll be slow, as government normally is, and it won't be until his right. second it, term. It could but... turn out, out to be as pointless as uh, the, the – um, oh, shoot, I was going to say America – the Peace Corps, um, or even for that matter, AmeriCorps. These are relatively – uh, you know, benign and pointless organizations. However, but if you're forced to go and work for them, well, that would be something entirely different. That's what we're talking about here. Well, it's maybe what we're talking about. It may not be what we're talking about. Well, you, you don't know. I mean, you, what, we don't know what kind of backlash there'll be. But right. I mean, if they bring this program about and people don't want to play ball, then there's going to be backlash. I'm just saying that's what they're planning now. As of now, based on his own words, he would like to see all Americans between 18 and 25 working for the government for three months. So, that's what he wants as of 2006. What does he want today? It could be worse. 
Who knows where this is going to go? It's not, it, it, you know, to me, it's not, not, it's not a good thing at all. Even if they start some voluntary uh, organization, it's just another drain on Americans' pocketbooks that's yeah. likely not going to achieve much of anything. Another if it government does achieve something, work. it's going to achieve it less efficiently than the free market would have. Absolutely right. So if you get called for this, what are you going to do? If you're between the ages of 18 and 25, or if you're, you know, before, you're earlier, uh, you live, you're, you are er- older or younger rather than 18, and you're going to be getting into that age range within the next four years, how do you feel about this? What do you think you'll do if they send you something in the mail saying that you better report? You've been drafted. Yep. You better report to this bureaucrat at this particular time on this date or else. Will you choose the or else? Not very pleasant choice, really. Well, hopefully as many people as possible can get here to New Hampshire so we can have concerted efforts and protests and things like that working against this program, uh, because I think this is going to be pretty critical. And again, we'll, we'll continue to follow it here. I just wanted to share that with you, this guy's vision for what national service means to him. And you can better believe that as more bureaucrats and uh, politicians throw their ideas into the ring, it will probably expand from three months to six months to nine months to two years. Two years like it is in other countries. Somebody has proposed two years here in this sure. country, too. So just who knows? Flip a coin. You see what you get. You're going to get slavery, whichever side it lands on. Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. You take control. It's your show. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number, 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you'd like to help support Free Talk Live, then you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. No need to visit the shopping malls and the shopping centers and the big box stores. Did you hear that an employee in uh, New York, near New York City got killed during yes, one of I these did hear rampages? That. It's all over the news. Holy crap. Yeah, I've got that These story. People are out of their minds for we, plasma TVs. We can get to that. Was that what it was, plasma TVs? Well, it, something was on sale, I'm uh, sure. So we can get to that. But yes, it, today is Black Friday, and people go crazy uh, when, this, when they're going out there hitting the, the stores and doing their holiday shopping. So just avoid it all and go to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. You'll find all the brands you're looking for. You'll find great deals. You'll find free Super Saver shipping on a whole bunch of items, and you're going to get customer reviews. You don't get that when you're looking at the shelves. I mean, you get one sales guy. Oh, can I help you, sir? Well, uh, yeah, I'm wondering if you could tell me about these vacuum cleaners. Well, I can show you where the parts are. I, um, That's how I was when I was working at Kmart. <laughs> I bought, we, we were buying a baby seat for Jack. He needed something upgraded, and it had to be able to face forward and backwards and you know, b- b- handle him through a, a variety of growth spurts. And it was funny, we got two salespeople that showed up. I think one might have been the store owner, mm-hmm. and then one was kind of his uh, his lackey. Okay. It's just a guess. There was an age difference. I'm only making a guess. One of them uh, said, this one's the best one. The other one said, no, no, this one's the best. Oh, it, boy. Was, it was very weird. <laughs> and then, like, the one chastened the other for, uh, for, for you know, picking the, the cheaper one. Mm. So we ended up with the very most expensive uh, one we possibly could. Oh, but could. of course. Yeah. 
All right. So, uh, so <laughs> yes, things are crazy out there. You want to get your shopping done from the comfort of your office or your home, do it at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, and FreeTalkLive will get a percentage of your purchase. Again, that's Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. As we go to your phone calls, Paula is on the line in Florida. Hello, Paula. Yeah, hi, hon. Hey, Paula, did you have a nice Thanksgiving? Yes, did you? You Certainly. Did you get together with the family? Huh? Did did you have family down there in Florida? Yeah, well, we just had the three of us, and we went out to eat. Who's the, who's the three of you? Is you, you, your husband? Uh, my and, son and my husband. And I. That's nice. Where'd you go out? How many places are open to eat on uh, oh, yeah, lots they, of them. We have a restaurant here that's just fantastic. I mean, they had a fantastic thing. Really? I mean, everybody showed up. Wow, I that mean, is amazing. Yeah, they were just waiting outside, too. I mean, they're just... <laughs> Man, I remember one year I had to go to Denny's. I couldn't find any place that was open. You're telling me, Mark, that more like mom and pop style places are open on? Oh, on lots yeah. of them. Yeah, I mean it's uh, the Golden Corral. Huh. There you go, Paula. Did um d- did you tell the uh, server that they shouldn't serve uh, Diet Coke to anyone because uh, the aspartame might kill them? <laughs> I have I have mentioned it to them. Yeah. What about the uh, <laughs> trilateral anyway. commission? Did you mention? Did you uh, let them know that, uh, that there's a group of uh, people that want to take over the world? <laughs> Well, the thing is, I mean, the aspartame poisoning is very dangerous. My brother-in-law just died from it. Oh, yeah. And, uh, matter of fact, uh, th- there's attorneys who are taking all the pharmaceutical companies to court, plus the FDA. Is that what you it's were calling th- about tonight? Because no, Mark no, kind of no, led no, you down uh, a different this is, path. This is about Hillary. All right, she what, cannot be ahead. Secretary of State. Why is it's that? It, oh, because yeah. she's a senator. Sorry it's in Article 1, Section 6, second paragraph. Right. She could resign her senatorship. Read that to us, she? Paula. Yeah, but she hasn't done it. Uh-huh. It says here that she has to stay in this until, you know, her time is up and she was voted for. To be in there. Well, anyway, uh, I mean, it's, does it? Does she want to be the Secretary of State, or is it just that she her name's being I've, batted I've around? I've called Obama's people over and over, and I told them to get Bill Richardson in there because I mean, everybody wants. I mean, even everybody on TV like it matters, Paula. I mean, does it matter if it's Bill Richardson or Hillary yes, Clinton? Does. They're all yeah. the same guy and lady, aren't no. they? Hillary all... is a communist. She's a member of the occult. She's part of the drug cartel. We don't need somebody like that in our government. How do you know that Bill Richardson isn't all of the above? Because he is a very good man, and by what evidence? But anyway, he's the people from Strong City would say otherwise. Everywhere he goes, people just—he is the sweetest person. He really is, and uh, I I don't think anybody in government is very sweet. Maybe with the exception of Ron Paul. All right, Paula, I'll take your but word But anyway, on all I'm saying is that he would be a better person because, you know, I mean, he just gets along with everybody, and everybody just loves him. Why? And, but why bother with changing out the – I mean, this is like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. All of these people have been involved in Washington, D.C. for several years. Richardson's they're governor. All, they're all so – whatever. They're all so interchangeable, and you don't get up to the upper echelons of politics without well, being a total do-boy for, for this, okay? the statist world. World. There's another reason for this, uh, and maybe biblically, biblically you can understand this, okay? Probably not, but go ahead. Okay. Mark might be able to. Well, let me explain it to you, okay? okay. We're, Judah, we're Judah here, okay? Who? And every president we've had has been from the house of David. It has to be. It's in the Bible. <laughs> and the thing is, is that the, the sons of David are supposed to be the ones to run the world. So you knew but that Bill Richardson what? couldn't win the presidency from the beginning. You knew that because he's he not could, at the House yeah, of David. Run the world. I'm so, Can we stop on that one point here? The, the whole idea that a, that a president or some executive in another country is running the world, I think, is completely absurd. Right on its, it's face. It's in your Bible. 
I don't care. It's not my Bible. It's your Bible, well, Paula. it's God's Bible. But he and, says the and I don't really care what that old forever. book says. I'm telling you that the people that run the world are the entrepreneurs and the people that work those jobs, making the world actually turn around and making yeah. the world actually yeah. work. These people yeah. in politics, these politicians, they don't run squat except a gang of people that extracts money from people by force. So running, being the head of the violent gang doesn't mean you're running the world. It just means you're successful at extracting wealth from people by threat of violence. That's all. They're not doing anything significant. They're not creating a service that's in demand. They're not providing a product that people want. They're a parasite class, and it's like saying that fleas run the dog. Thank you for the call, Paula. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. The fleas do not run the dog. The dog is the beast that is creating the life for the fleas. Yeah, the politicians are like sand in the gears of the machine. That's really all they are. They're just an irritation, and they're a dangerous irritation. They're the worst possible kind of parasite that, uh, that we could possibly have. 1-800-259-9231 to another email here from James. He says a minor. Uh, he says my main point comes in reply to your stating something recently uh, along the lines of objectively no culture is better than another. I believe you're in error here. To simplify the argument, let's imagine a world in which there are only two cultures. One is an anarcho-capitalist society where everyone's taught that aggression's wrong and everyone must respect the rights of all others to be free from coercion. The other is an authoritarian culture where individuals are oppressed and the fruit of their labor is taken to feed the parasitic ruling class. The people are then taught that aggression isn't wrong. The choice is then between uh, what I would imagine you and I would agree is as close to utopia as possible and the society we live in today. Can't we then say that the former culture is superior to the latter? If we are to say that freedom from coercion is a universal right, then surely we must. And I would say that from our perspective, yes, we would say that the culture of freedom is superior to a culture of authoritarianism and a culture of violence. I think I think that's absolutely true that we would say that. But objectively, from an outside perspective, is it possible to make that uh, that claim if you don't have the same value set that we do? If you were an alien race coming across uh, the various different cultures around here, would you be able to make that I don't know. I don't think so. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, it probably wouldn't be their concern if, you, if they were aliens. They'd probably, you know, be looking at all kinds of other things. He says to try and take a more objective view. Or probe somebody. Since you might say I'm biased toward liberty, let's examine what makes a culture moral. Why do individuals create cultures? It must be to further their own aims. For the most part, a person acts to improve the quality of his life, which thereby establishes life as something that men find desirable. But what improves the quality of his life? We can find out by observing how men act. First, we can see that men have self-ownership. It would be absurd to claim otherwise. Even the communist that called the other night wanted to believe in self-ownership. Uh, as when a man acts, nobody but he himself is making that decision to act. This statement of free will also tells us that men by their nature are best adapted to liberty. We can also see that men have by their nature a right to own property. The commie would disagree, of course. Uh, If a man owns himself, then it stands to reason that he owns what he creates with his labor. We can also observe what man does differently than other beings, and that is reason. Man is the only being on earth that can reason. But, I don't. Uh, you, uh, scientists have been finding all kinds of different things, but okay, let's go ahead. By what we've just established, shouldn't we feel obligated to say that objectively, the first society which operates in accordance with man's nature to life, liberty, and property, and his ability to reason, a respect for which would surely develop in an individualistic society such as ours, is better than the second, which denies man's nature? I see where he's coming from, but again, he's coming from a liberty perspective, but he's making a powerful statement toward the liberty perspective and, and rational uh, steps to get to that liberty perspective. Perspective. He's putting it all together fairly well. 
That said, there would be people that would claim that man's nature is a violent, thuggish nature, that uh, man has been bashing one over one, uh, each other's heads for centuries upon centuries. And you could, make that, uh, you could take that position and therefore say that therefore there needs to be a strong man who will threaten the other men, uh, that he will bash them harder if they bash one another, and so therefore well, that the objectively freedom, the other society the freedom says that if someone tries to bash you over the head, you're allowed to bash them back. That's true. And that's you know. It gives them an opportunity to defend themselves against those that would. Uh, would All do I'm harm. saying is, I don't know if you could claim that objectively one society is better than the other from like the alien perspective, looking in here and not knowing any of this stuff uh, to begin with. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I'm certain. Certainly possible. I am. Hour two's coming up. You're welcome to discuss this or anything you want. It's free talk live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching an hour number two of the program. Take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their sites. Ours free for you at freetalklive.com. So enjoy it on us. We start things out by going to your calls. That's the point of the show. Then coming up, Mark, you're going to tell us about Sweden. We talked earlier this week about uh, socialist health care and, of course, all of the uh, claims. You know, somebody made the claim that, well, things are better over there in uh, Sweden and Norway and places like that uh, than they are here. I think I may have made the claim, uh, but I've certainly heard it many times that uh, Sweden is the socialist paradise where everybody, is, if not super wealthy, or at least well taken care of. We're going to address that here in a bit, uh, or you will. Uh, but first, let's go to Justo in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Justo. Uh, hey, guys. Hey. Um, I'm sorry to change the subject a bit from what you guys were saying. You never having, have to apologize. To... There's no subject. Uh, it's Free Talk Live. You can call about anything. So what's on your mind? Okay. Cool. Uh, well, I mean, um, this uh, this comes about because of the auto industry bailout. You know, a lot of a lot of people want to blame unions, and, and I'm sure they have some blame, but, you know, this has me thinking, what uh, role do unions have in a, in a free market, you know? Uh, you're asking us, or, or are you yeah. going to come up with some kind of conclusion? No, no, no. I'm asking you guys because, um, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure what you, what power, uh, powers union would have if if they didn't have, you know, maybe the state. Uh, you right. know, well, uh, many times, uh, currently, many times, uh, unions have uh, a, a big stranglehold on the the apparatus of the state. Um, it, you know, you can use the best examples of police unions and teachers unions and firefighters unions, municipal workers unions. We, as taxpayers, uh, supposedly voters, have very little control over, the, you know, and we are the employer, have very little control over the employees that uh, work directly for us in the city. Um, so you, you've got these unions that kind of run the city and its policy when the voters don't. And that's probably the the most egregious case. Um, many times uh, unions will uh, have they'll have the the sway of the government. For instance, um, you know governments require unions employees to negotiate with employers through unions and things like that. 
anytime a union uses the state, I feel that a union has stepped out of its bounds. As far as a union goes, it's a club of people with like interests. I've got no problem with clubs of people of like interest. And there's nothing wrong with uh, people getting together to try to collectively bargain. I mean, if you're a valuable group of employees... You'll have something right. to say now. If that union wants to use um, any, wants to use violence or force or threats of violence or force against other uh, union members or other non-union other workers in order to get them to act a certain way, that's a crime, and those people need to be punished for it. Um, right, right. So you know, and that's and that's some of the history of union. You've also had union busters where. Uh, employers will use violence in order to keep uh, unions from happening. I don't think that's right. However, when you're talking about um, on an employer's property, you've got something different. You, you, you know, like, is it security or is it union busting? Well, these employees are no longer welcome because they are the yeah. uh, center of the the starting the union. I think that that's I think that is wrong uh, of the employer to do. However, I don't think it's a crime to say you're not allowed on this property anymore. You're not employed Absolutely. here. Goodbye. Um, but going to someone's house and and uh, threatening them is a whole other story. Right. But, I mean, sometimes when I bring up, uh, you know, like if you're valuable and if you collectively bargain with your employer, there shouldn't be any problems. But sometimes I come off as insensitive towards my progressive friends when they say, oh, well, they'll have no jobs because they have no skills. So Who the has free no market skills? won't be able to, uh, you Who's know. Who's they? Who Who's are they, they talking and why about? won't they have any skills? Uh, 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 like, say, factory workers, you know. Well, or steel workers. Uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the idea is, is in the past, and this is what we're sort of sold as a bill of goods because, well, the unions won, um, and especially in the, 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 the northern areas of, of the United States. The unions kind of won there, and so they get to write the history. The history is, is that uh, workers were treated very, very poorly, uh, tre- uh, you know, uh, worked long hours, got poor wages, all these other things, and if it wasn't for uh, unions, we wouldn't have Labor Day. That's kind of the... Right. The shtick. Well, the fact is... So that's bullcrap then, right? Well, it is bullcrap because those people willingly chose to go there and work every single day in order to make money. They could have gone elsewhere. They could have stayed on farms. They could have stayed in Ireland or wherever. Could whatever have gotten a sales job. They could have, yeah, there absolutely were sales jobs out there. They could have done anything they wanted to do. They wanted to stay there, and they wanted their pay increased. I want my pay increased. You want your pay increased. Everyone in the world wants their pay increased. Okay? So right, you don't right. have, uh, including the guy who owns the, the business, he wants his pay increased too. Everybody wants their pay increased. You're not talking about simply because you want your pay increased. Does that mean that you're making too little? It's too little perhaps to pay your bills. That's your fault, not your employer's. Um, so you know, the 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 idea that somehow uh, you know these employees were treated terribly, not so much because each one of these employers in the in the area of competition. Now I'll grant you that it it takes the free market a little while to come around. It takes less time than it does the government, but often the government will jump in with some rule, uh, like you know car emissions or something like that, to to to, to turn the market. And it, it takes a, the free market a little while to come around, but competition is what is going to provide these people with better paying jobs. If I work as a auto assembly guy and I put the mirrors on cars, right? So I do this, uh, this, this line job and I put mirrors on cars. And I decide I'm not making enough money at $50 an hour or whatever it is that they're getting. I've heard, um, including their benefits and retirements, that they're, they're making somewhere in, in the neighborhood of 60 on average. And I would imagine the guys that are, have been there 20 years are making 80. 
so mm-hmm. I, if if I decide that this fifty dollars an hour I'm getting isn't enough, and I work at GM, I can always go to Ford and say, hey, look, for sixty five dollars an hour, I'll put mirrors on your cars. What do you think? I'm the best mirror putter on her and around, <laughs> and and Ford will say yes or no. That way, I know how much I'm worth. Okay, I don't. I, I would like to go back to your uh, your original question that you you said your progressive friends have been saying that you know without unions or whatever, then these um, th- these businessmen are going to just the, the people with with no skills would be without jobs. Was that what their su- suggestion was? Just a recap. That that, that since since um since well if if the free market were allowed to take place. These uh, manufacturing jobs they, that the employ these employees wouldn't have the necessary skills to be able to adapt and get new, you know, jobs without the unions protecting the jobs. They wouldn't be able to get new skills without a union. Yeah, something. something that doesn't like make that. much sense. Anybody well, can go get new skills just by right. taking on new McDo- opportunities. If you look going at McDonald's, uh, you know, there's lots of people there that aren't in unions that have jobs that manage to go on to other jobs that require different skills. How would those people go on and get different new skills? I mean, surely they must be being oppressed by their McDonald's uh, corporation that they don't have a union with. Yeah, right? I don't understand. I don't really understand that point. The idea that you have to be in a union to learn new skills—that's pretty. They ludicrous. may have brought that up. They may have brought that up because you know that um, I guess we may not have as many manufacturing jobs here in the U.S. as. Before. Well, the reason for that is because of regulation. The reason why manufacturing jobs have moved overseas is because of the U.S. government and its regulations and its mandates like uh, minimum wage uh, and uh, and various different OSHA regulations and things like that. Likely it's the OSHA regulations. Also local regulations, state regulations, uh, local governments as well, regulating business. All of this stuff pushes business owners to say, oh. I'm just going to pack up my stuff and I'm going, to, I'm going to move somewhere else. But but in the instance of of low paid workers or low skilled jobs, if we're talking about a manufacturing job where all you're doing is folding boxes or you're just doing the same repetitive task over and over again, then yeah, it's a right. low skilled job. There's not really anywhere you can go uh, beyond becoming a manager of that particular section or or something like that. So uh, so in that situation, when you're talking about uh, p- people that are in these jobs, they've chosen that for themselves. And if they want to choose something differently, they're always free to choose something differently. Uh, they, you know, they've completely chosen that. My headphones have completely cut out, so I don't know uh, if he's talking at this yeah. point. No, but no, uh, I, but they've chosen this uh, on their own. And as a result of that, they can choose to go somewhere else uh, at some other point if that's something that they want to do. Uh and because they have the ability to leave, then what's the problem? More on the way here, 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airways, try to work out the uh, technical difficulties over here, and come back briefly to this discussion about jobs and unions and freedom to choose. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. So we were talking a few moments ago. We'll continue the conversation in a bit about unions. I got uh, distracted because my headphones just decided to die right in the middle of a segment. Uh, but the number again here, 800-259-9231, and you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where the features are totally free. We've got archives uh, going back for an entire year. You get it all free right there on the front page of the website at freetalklive.com. So the concern before 
uh, was that without unions or without the government around to protect workers, low-skill workers will just be screwed over for all eternity or something but most like u- that. But, but most unions are for higher-skilled workers. Is that not true? I don't know. Yes. Okay. There you go. I, I mean, most unions are really to protect high-skilled workers, not low-skill workers. Now, usually it's uh, you know p- people in the blue-collar industry. Generally, mm-hmm. that's where unions are. But uh, you know, the idea that it's protecting low-skilled workers, not really. Well, so in a free marketplace, those workers can go to whatever jobs they want to go to, and as you were talking about earlier, they can shop themselves around, and whatever skills they have will be worth a certain amount. And if they want to have more skills, then they can go and acquire those skills by going to school or taking an apprenticeship or doing an internship, or there's so many different ways that you can better yourself. But if you think you're going to be able to keep earning more and more money every single year by having the same no skill or one skill, if all you've got is, you know, one skill that you can ply, then there's only so much you're going to be able to make out of that. Right. Period. And a lot of the position of uh, unions or the idea that labor, you know, the, the idea of labor or where labor has shown up in this uh, country is that people that work with their hands are good. People that sit in offices and do managerial tasks are bad. That's really the idea there. Is you know you, you've got the the great worker. This the idea. The, it's really communism. It's to some extent you've got this the idea that the worker, the proletariat, their 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 heart is pure and their their body is gleaming with sweat <laughs> as they as they wail away and produce things for the man. Uh, no, come on. Nobody believes that crap. Anyway, I want to thank Husto for the uh, the call uh, because I was getting lost in La La Land as we we're having the technical difficulties there. Uh, let's go to your phone calls. You've been waiting patiently. Joe is on the line in Massachusetts. Joe, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, how are you guys doing? Hey, Joe. Hey, What's on your mind tonight? Well, I didn't finish up with the health care, but you got a couple other questions. But I wanted to uh, finish up and ask you to explain it a little more. When you were explaining it, you mentioned something about the URL labs. Now, what were you trying to explain about the URL? Well, uh, I'm likely what he was saying was that UL Labs, um, UL. Underwriters Laboratories, is a, an independent certification organization. Okay. And that, uh, you know, there's just the simple fact that they can exist and, and independently certify things without the government getting in and doing their kinds of certifications. So you think because they can do it, everybody else should be able to, right? Well, there's lots, of, indi- there's lots and- of independent certifications. However, UL is one of the more obvious ones. Zagat's, uh, in, you know, certifies restaurants um, in some ways. I, I don't see why uh, certification organizations can't exist everywhere. Because yeah, um, I, and I, I, I know you didn't have a chance to research Germany's healthcare because they're supposed to be the best. Maybe you will. But I wanted to mention something you uh, triggered in my memory. You talked about why people go overseas, and you said because of regulation. What about in the 60s and the 50s? Uh, how come there were more businesses, more stuff being made over here then? Well, because uh, regulation regulations. Wasn't, regulation wasn't as high then, and shipping costs were more. Communication was more. Now communication has become less. You can you can talk across the world on Skype for free. If you can save, if you own a factory, a small factory, and you can save a couple hundred thousand dollars a year by taking your business over to a foreign country and not have to, you know, you save a hundred thousand dollars a year in regulatory uh, costs, then you're going to make that decision eventually because that, that that means something to you. It's significant. That's a significant chunk. And and who knows what the cost of complying with all these federal, state, and local regulations is on business. It's 
it's got to be in the billions, if not trillions of dollars. I mean, so cumulatively. How would, how would we get them back to like it was in the 60s? Products were made better over here and they lasted longer and everything. Now you just jump. have to end the regulatory uh, situation right. and let people be free if again. If you let American manufacturing compete based on its quality, it could win or lose. I don't know. Cannondale, I believe, is made in the United States. When you look at bicycles, Cannondale is made in the United States. It costs a heck of a lot more than if you get a, uh, I, I don't know, Huffy uh, bicycle made in China. Yeah. So SAS shoes are made in San Antonio. That's only one of the few shoes that are left in this country, and I... I bought them because they're excellent. Well, and I'd like absolutely. To, I, from my understanding, Bill's khakis make some really great pants. Right, and too. can I point out that there's no governmental oversight agency on those products? There's no governmental agency that is certifying pants. They're not certifying American-made shoes. So you're getting a quality well, product, even though there's no governmental agency specifically saying that you need to make this this way and you need to make this that way. So my but, point here is that if the regulations went away, one of the things that someone might object to is that oh God, quality's going to suffer if we don't have the government there to check things. Well, it's nonsense because people want to supply good quality products to the marketplace. Some want to supply cheap quality products, but it, but the, the retailers... It's like China. Well, China's supplying quality products, VCRs, but they're absolutely junk. Now, why well, is that? They, 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 there's a variety of levels of, of products you can well, get from China be, these be, days. But. Because it's to some extent, we've, we've, we've developed a culture that is uh, repair and replace. And, um, or, excuse me, uh, you know, remove and replace instead of repair. You don't fix things anymore. You throw them away and you get a new one because it costs more to take the the VCR to oh, the yeah. shop to get it fixed than it does to uh, buy a new one. But to get back to the point I was making, if there were no regulations to speak of, it doesn't mean quality would go to crap because products and services compete for quality. Quality is one of the areas that products and services compete in. So but, but competition you know, would automatically bring quality up. Plus, so you'd have, you'd have so, certification, as we were talking about earlier, giving essentially a seal of approval to the best quality products. So it would be so easy hard, to choose. so hard for me to believe because I've been, brain, I've been brought up that you have to watch because you know, people don't do what they're supposed It's like a dog. You have to train a dog. Have I mean, you heard I of know. consumer reports? Yes. Okay, well, they're a watchdog group that keeps an eye on various different categories of products, and they check things out. They test televisions. They test all kinds of things to see what their quality level is. They give them a rating. They, uh, they give them a little review. And there are a variety of other uh, publications that are very similar. There are car, car magazines sure. that check out cars. And You're absolutely right. If there wasn't anyone to watch over anything and there was only one product in the marketplace – absolutely you would have worse quality. The only way that that happens is when the government takes over a particular area. What's that Russian car called that they the were Volga. making? The Volga. But, but if you that. look at, for instance, uh, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, something that the government does, uh, trash collection. Well, you don't see a lot of innovation in trash collection. The same thing's been happening for years. Now, we don't know any different. We don't know what the innovations might have been in the area of trash collection because we don't have competition in that area. You understand? So you're saying less competition? Can you have some competition and some regulation, or no? You can, regulation implies a, uh, a monopoly system of governmental force over top of an industry. What you can have is you can have third-party certification in a free market situation where the products and services that are being offered, those companies that are offering them could submit them to the certifiers like Underwriters Laboratories or Consumer Reports or whatever, get their product certified, and it would help them sell their product in the marketplace because it would have that seal of approval on it. And, and if the they consumer, did, would Joe, they be taken off the market? Would they be taken off the market? There are some.
some companies that will not sell uncertified products. Walmart will not sell you an uncertified appliance. It has to be certified. So you're automatically protected right now under today's environment. I thank you for the call. Okay. 800-259-9231. And you as a consumer have the ultimate choice. Do you buy the certified product or do you buy the uncertified product? It's up to you. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. They include the wiki with over 1,800 pages created by listeners just like you. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about. Get interactive. It's like the listener editable version of our website, wiki.freetalklive.com. Did you know that over 35% of IT admins admit to snooping through their bosses' emails? Shouldn't your business email be secure? PrivacyHarbor.com is an email alternative that's private and confidential, guaranteed. PrivacyHarbor.com, because ordinary email is not secure. You can go over there and get a free account today at PrivacyHarbor.com. 1-800-259-9231. We continue with your phone calls, and we'll talk to Arvin in California. Arvin, you are on Free Talk Live. Hi. Um, Yeah, I'm from Sweden myself. I've called in before, but... um I wanted to talk about um, the misconception of Sweden as being a, a utopia. And I also wanted to point out that even though we um, have like socialized healthcare and so on, there's um, people who think that we have high taxes everywhere, whereas we have um, in real life we have um, uh, quite low corporate taxes compared to the USA. We have um, – I think our corporate tax uh, taxes – is like a few per- percent uh, lower than the corporate taxes in the U.S. And mm-hmm. if you reinvest in the company and so on, but then um, socialized healthcare and so on, well, in Sweden, uh, that hasn't been such a success. Not because uh, the, the it's it's bad healthcare or anything. I think it's normal healthcare. It's not good. It's not bad. I do not know how much we spend on the healthcare, but. Uh, what we have seen is that uh, they build hospitals in the wrong places because they can't know where to build <laughs> hospitals. Um, well, there so, are a lot of other problems, too, as we went over last night. I mean, if you're considering socialist health care as normal, then I guess it's normal because that is essentially what's normal around the world is socialist health care. And there are a lot of problems uh, with that system. Yes, somebody does get the occasional decent care from time to time. But uh, when people are forced to wait for months before they can even get an appointment to be seen about a problem that they have, and then they have to wait for months more in order to actually have the surgery that they need, uh, you get people dying when people are told they can't have surgeries because they're too old or whatever the excuse is because you know the government for whatever reason uh, just has decided to essentially engage in triage where they didn't necessarily need to to keep their budgets down I mean, this, the whole uh, situation is an absolute mess. But, but Mark, um, you have some numbers about Sweden and you mentioned that you didn't think the tax burden was that, was that high, Arvin? Well, for yeah, corporate yeah, corporations. Yeah. The, for, for if you have a company, then, well, the... The tax burden would be well, not not really really high, but if you're as an individual working for a company, you would have a um, a really high tax rate. You would have 
more than 50% of your of your income would be taken away from you uh, from from the the federal government but also local government and and the communes uh, and so on so yeah that 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 it's it's a high tax burden for the individual but for for companies it's okay as George Reisman pointed out uh, that's the reason why um, Sweden's still floating. Without low corporate taxes, Sweden wouldn't be floating anymore. We would have gone bankrupt a long time ago. While but, we have Arvid uh, on the phone, Mark, do you want to go ahead and give those numbers that uh, that you've got? Well, I've, I've got a, a, a little short article here. That, um, there's some lively discussion on the comments section of the, this recent post. By the way, this is from uh, mgperry.blogspot.com. And he's got all kinds of maps, and he looks like he's, you know, some guy who knows what he's talking about. The one issue about the unemployment rates in Sweden versus the USA, which are displayed in the graph above, is that over the past 15 years, the average jobless rate in Sweden was 7.3, more than two percentage points higher than the U.S. of 5.2. I think it would be safe to assume that if Sweden was the United States, it would have the highest unemployment rate in the country since uh, 1993, higher even than Mississippi, Michigan, or Alaska. Um, as a matter of fact, when you uh, start going down here, you realize that, and people are told, uh, we're in the United States, we're told that everyone in Sweden drives a Saab and, or a Volvo, and you know things are just fabulous, and um, not so much. Apparently, the uh, the median household income in Sweden would put them lower than uh, the the lowest state, which is uh, Mississippi. Median household income meaning 50% of the households are above that level, Correct. 50% are below it. So you said it was Mississippi they're, they're lower than, or was it Correct. West Virginia? Uh, okay. Mississippi. Mississippi is the poorest, is that the poorest state in, in America? That's right. So you're saying that Sweden, their household income, medium, median household income is lower than the poorest state in America. Yes. And uh, I, I would uh, caution any Swedes from thinking that America is this uh, capitalist playground where you would be able to make all kinds of money because now our taxes are, you know, pretty much as high as theirs are. And it won't be much longer before yeah, we're, we're going to be languishing. Be in a, yeah, we're going to be languishing in a socialist uh, mire just like they are. Arvin, any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, actually, um, I I, uh, I think that uh, even though we have uh, have higher taxes, we are freer in in other ways. Like mm-hmm. we we have we have um, well, I was going to say we have the right to protest, but then I I thought that okay, we have to have license to do that and so on. But uh, <laughs> we, 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 yeah, and now they're spying on us. Oh well, oh, it seems like our rights are being taken away. Well, we don't have many rights left then. Yeah, and well, that much is true. Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> Here true. Here or there. It's true in the United States. And comparing Sweden to the United States is uh, like looking, look at my shanker. My shanker's better than your shanker. I mean, it's it's really, it's it's not a good thing. Neither Th- one of them. Thanks, Arvin, for the call. Good hearing from you. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Let's talk to Alex in New Jersey on the amp line. Hello, Alex. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Ian, what do you think is a valid contract, a valid example of a contract. You can contract in a free market to do anything, correct? I think that uh, in order to have a contract, you have to have a meeting of the minds. You have to have two uh, two people that have uh, that have come together, and there, there have been terms presented, and they've been understood by both sides, and and they have to consent to to that agreement. I mean, there's usually also involved uh, in a contract some sort of consideration, meaning payment uh, for services rendered or products. So usually, that, I mean, that's usually part of the meeting of the minds is that well, I'll do this, and you'll pay me this, or I'll provide you with this, and you'll pay me that sort of thing so i think that uh, that you that pretty much i think that describes it i don't know it's possible i left something 
out, but Mark, do you feel like... I a... smell a trap. I'm just waiting for him to spring it. <laughs> okay. Do you think that um, when you when you have a supermarket, for example, and you have rules, no shirt, no shoes, no service, do you think that's a contract to a degree? I think that's a it's an agreement. I don't think it's a contract. I think when you're talking about contracts, you're talking about something that's very explicit, uh, and both parties come to an, an understanding. There's usually a signature on a line somewhere, and, right. and again, some consideration. It's sort of rules for entering, and I think, and usually you, those rules are well placed and uh, understood, and 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 you agree and by entering. Whereas when you if 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 you're going off on the tangent that uh, the the simple fact of living here um, obligates you to Wearing shoes and shirts. Or, I don't think uh, that's know, where he's going. To, 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 to obeying no, the I'm, laws. I'm going towards uh, end-user license agreements. I think that people should have the freedom to make whatever kind of tr- contracts that they want. But, um, and I think that includes end-user license agreements. But I know, Ian, you don't feel the same way about that. Have you actually ever read one of those things? Yes. I have no friends and no life. <laughs> and what did you learn? What does it say in a typical end-user license agreement? Uh, no pirating the software. Um, it can only be used for a specific purpose. Um, you, yeah, um, don't they also yeah, say that um, you don't actually own the software? Don't, aren't they, don't they normally say that you're essentially leasing the software from them or something like that? Um, not all of them. It depends on how big the company is. But they say that uh, uh, it's only valid on one computer only at a time, right. uh, things of that nature. And you can't use it for any malicious purposes, such as hacking, etc. And you're saying you believe that the end-user license agreement is a legitimate contract in your mind? I think that uh, in a free market, you should have the ability to have end-user license agreements on software. And you certainly can. I just don't think it's binding in any way. I think that if you click a little box uh, on the Internet... Uh, with How is that different than signing a little, a little box with your signature? Well, then there's another party that you're signing with in that particular case. There's no... But, uh, uh, many times do I sign agreements where uh, the, the other party didn't uh, sign not a, It's not a legitimate agreement, in my opinion. You're, t- you're probably dealing with a corporate entity in that case. Hang on. We'll come back with more of this. It's your calls as well. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free. So enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier. Just go to amp.freetalklive.com. Learn more about the program. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. The idea is you send in 3 bucks a month to us. We take that money in, reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing new Internet listeners on board with the program, and helping spread the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. You get perks, too, like access to the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. All the details are at amp.freetalklive.com, so get signed up, amp.freetalklive.com. As we bring back Alex in New Jersey, who is uh, telling us that he's a believer in the end-user license agreement. Now, if you are a computer user, odds are good you've come across these from time to time. Usually when you'll uh, pop a new piece of software in your computer, you will have to agree to some long, rambling Pages and pages of legalese. Or uh, often websites will have them, too, where you... Uh, terms of service? Yeah, the terms of service and things like that. I, 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 you know, I, I guess. 
Yeah, occasionally I will read I through. I don't even read the things, so I, well, I don't even know what they say. I will occasionally read through if it's something that's like a really critical business thing. I, so I will Alex, read through it. How about, how about this? Um, suppose the end user agreement or the terms of service on a, on a website, because I, I've never used... I don't buy much software out of the box, and if it had it, I don't know whether it had it or not. But I know that websites have had them. What if it said in there that I, by clicking this box, have given all of my earthly property over to that company? <laughs> Do you think that that's ludicrous? Fair? And what I would want to see is I want to I would want to see the owner of that website try and take you to an arbitration court or a DRO over that, a dispute resolution Well, and now wait a minute. I if it's a legitimate contract... On you, and but, but they're if they're going to be shot down and they're going to lose business. Well, then, then what you're saying then is that the end-user license agreement isn't a legitimate contract because you told us before it was legitimate, but now you're saying that if it says that they own all right. your property, you're then saying it's that thrown be, out. Essentially, you're saying that because there wasn't a meeting of the minds, because that doesn't make any sense, uh, you know, no, no one would expect that to happen... Uh, that it's illegitimate. And I, I wouldn't disagree with you on that, but that's more or less what you're saying well, I'm, here. Well, I'm saying in the hypothetical, in the hypothetical, you're going to get shot, or the, the owner of the website is going to get shot down. But I think that it should be taken to an arbitration court because what they're, what they're going to, for the website owner to collect on that, he's going to have to uh, pay the money to the dispute resolution organization, and he's probably not in a position to do that because it's a stupid thing that that's just going to get thrown out anyway. But if so it's I a legitimate contract, it would, be, it would be valid. Alex, but however, why would it be thrown however, out, Alex? Alex, you're, you're making an argument against your yeah. own position, Alex. You're saying here that it's legitimate, and then on the other side, you're saying that well, if it says something you don't think is good, then it, it'll be thrown out by your courts. I mean, so if it's a legitimate contract, then it has to be enforced by the arbitrator. If it's not a legitimate contract, then we've come to an agreement because I don't believe an end-user license agreement is. I think it's similar to the no shirt, no shoes, no service, but the problem is they can't kick you out of their software because you're using the software in your own home, whereas if you're walking into a business with no shoes on, they can say, hey, get out of here, and if you don't, and if you don't leave, then you can be forced off the premises. With software... They can say, well, hey, you can't install our software. Well, sorry, I already did. And they could put in some sort of um, – they could put in uh, provisions in the software to limit your installations or somehow try to control you. But then the crackers could just crack that right out of there. And they will. And they will. And then you've got the software anyway. So, uh, well, sure, but sometimes, Ian, you make a case against yourself when you say that laws are just words on paper. Well, contracts are just words on paper as well. That's true. They are just words on paper, but they're backed up by people with intentions, and they're backed up by a society that honors those uh, those words on paper as you know, sort of sacred uh, and very important. And so, when two so people right. come now, together and they come to an agreement, I'm sorry, what? What'd you say? The law is backed up by some people with pretty strong intentions. But it's not two way. The difference there is law is one way where they're saying you must do this or else. With a contract, you have two people who've come to a meeting of the minds, who've sat down and they've. they've They've hammered out the details, and they've come to the agreement to say, I will do this if you will do this. That's not the case with law, and it's not the case uh, with the end-user license agreement. And so we're talking right. about two different In some animals. ways, what Ian says is rhetorical. Laws are just words on paper. Um, and, and oftentimes what he'll th say is, well, you know, it's just a bunch of old guys or dead guys that got together and wrote things down. And that being a bit more accurate um, than... And, and you know your point is valid that his sort of rhetorical comment is the same as a contract. But however, when we get to the nuts and bolts of it, we we do explain things like you know contract is people.
contracting with each other voluntarily, whereas, uh, you know, laws are one group of people forcing their will on another. However, with this end-user agreement, what you're talking about, wait, 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 but with the end-user agreement situation, what you're talking about here is you say that end-user agreements are valid, and then you say when, um, you know, when, when they become ludicrous, however, they're not valid. So... So would it be correct for me to say that only, um, like, supposed contracts where two people don't sign are only valid if it's on private property that you have the ability to remove someone from? However, if it is off someone's private property, such as with software or any other product you buy, then it has to have a meeting of the minds. Would you you agree with that? Can you run that by me one more time? Okay. So in order for a contract to be valid without two signatures and without two meetings of the oh, mind, I don't think without a well, hold on without be, whoa, 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 before you go on before you go on hang on a second before you go on without a meeting of the minds you don't have a contract so you're using the wrong terminology in my opinion in order to have a contract you have to have a meeting of the minds it's and rules and considerations that without that you've got rules by a private property owner or without that you have an agreement uh, but you don't have a contract no, no shirt no that's not a contract. That's no, an it's agreement. Rules. That's a rule on a private property, and you As agree I said to those. When you first said it, rules. Okay. Okay. So does that answer your question? Thank you. Guys. Thank you. Oh yeah, it's good, and I'm I'm open minded about it. I just wanted to hear what you guys thought. Um, it's good because we're not. All right. So I will <laughs> change my view to say that um, you would have to have a meeting of the minds, and your signature would have to be written down. So. There you go. Makes thank sense. You. If it's a contract, thank you, sir, for the call. 800-259-9231. Uh, that is the SACL CAI toll-free line. So the no shirt, no shoes is an agreement. You're walking into that business. You're agreeing to their rules. If you decide to break their rules, they're going to kick you out because it is private well, property. You're agreeing to their rules in the sense that the rules are posted. I think that there's also yeah. other things that you can do in a, in a grocery sure. store that aren't posted, Absolutely. that rules- are legal, that... The Our rules, rules come from those who are in charge of that private property. So if you walk into the grocery store and you know uh, decide to take a crap in the middle of <laughs> one of the aisles, they're going to ask you to leave. And if the manager or an employee or whatever says for you to leave, they're in charge of the property at that particular time. So there's a new rule that you've well, been you've been made aware of. Taking a crap is uh, is is sort of a situation where you're talking about um, you know indecency. There's already a law, so they could someone could say that they that, that there's a that they're relying on the set of whatever rules mark that, that are I was law. coming up with However, something yelling at the top of your lungs. I, yeah, whatever. I, I'm going to come up with something here. I was in a bar one time smoking a cigar um, because I couldn't smoke it at home, and mm-hmm. you know, so, so I wanted to go someplace to smoke a cigar. Now I had smoked cigars in this bar. On multiple occasions. However, in this one occasion, the bouncer, apparently some hot girl or something, came up to the bouncer and said, I don't like the cigar smoke. So he said, you can smoke your cigar outside. You can't smoke it in here. Now, it was an arbitrary rule. However, it is one that he just came up with on the spot. It mm-hmm. wasn't posted. This was a smoking bar where people were smoking cigarettes. That's his prerogative. It, it was his prerogative in that particular instance. I complained to the manager it, um, Your you prerogative know, as a customer. Later. Uh, it didn't do any good because the bar apparently was in the, uh, the midst of being sold, so nobody really considered themselves the owner. The owner was gotcha. selling and someone was buying, and, you know, that's so the way it went. The bouncer's in control at that point. He was. Yeah. And that's how it went. Uh, so, so when you're going into a private business and you're on private property, you're following the private property owner's rules, and if you don't want to, then you're going to have to leave. When it comes to the end user license agreement, they would like for you to agree to whatever the hell those terms are, and you're certainly welcome to follow them and abide by them, but I don't believe they're binding in any way, shape, or form. I mean, if you have, uh, 
if well, I'm kind of thinking of uh, brand loyalty here. I would think that to some extent, uh, if you were able to create a, a level of brand loyalty in your customers, like for instance, you're a Google guy, right? You're probably more likely to uh, follow Google's uh, terms of service than you would be some off-brand website out there that puts some ridiculous crap on their in their terms of service, because simply because you like the brand more. Does that maybe make any it's kind a of possibility? Sense? Yeah, that's a possibility. So it's it's sort of in the in the sense that you're you're convincing your your you know, uh, convincing your your customer base to follow your rules. I'd like to look briefly at some of the more absurdities of the end-user license agreement. Some software has a wrapper on the physical packaging that says, if you open this wrapper, you agree to our end-user license agreement. So well, what and, if and you sell the software later on down the line? The person that's buying it secondhand hasn't agreed to that. What about emails when you get those emails from somebody that says that this email is the property of such-and-such so-and-so? Garbage. So, uh, if you're you telling me that, me that I'm replying and, and uh, yeah. you know, back and forth with this uh, organization that they own my email because Nonsense. I've replied? Absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, how can I, how come I can't put a little contact on the bottom right. line that says every... You can. All your emails <laughs> are mine. But it's not a contract. Right. And that's the, that's the deal. All right. More on the way. Hour three coming up. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. As we launch here into the third hour of the program, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We start things out this hour by going to your phone calls. Discord is on the line in New York. Discord, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, I actually wanted to bring up a little post. You uh, actually, uh, you, you know about the post because uh, you actually responded to it. It's a uh, post on the BBS about a Russian guy, a Russian. Um, I think he's a professor or something named Igor Panarin. He's predicting the breakup and collapse of the United States. Yes, uh, Wayne had this story on Wednesday night. We managed to mention it briefly at the end of the show, but uh, we didn't have time to get into the details. Did you want to tell us a little more? Oh, we didn't? Okay. Well, basically, the thing the guy is pointing to is um, the foreign debt, the amount of stuff for borrowing, and that the dollar isn't secured, that isn't really backed up by anything. It's fiat. Um, he's, also, he's also saying another thing that's, that's giving a sign of a, the coming collapse is um, the government, the governors, very state governors, demanding things to the feds. Demanding money, was, not just things. They're demanding uh, bailouts, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So are the companies, though, like, you know, you got right. the oilmakers that want that one, the trial open up to, you know, get some free cash. Mm-hmm. I don't know um, that demanding's the right word, but uh, certainly uh, requesting. No, well, lobbying, pulling some backroom deals, yeah. that sort of thing. But, um, but uh, the one thing I found really interesting, he says the one thing that's holding it together is this whole belief that Barack Obama's going to pull off some type of a miracle. Um, and uh, I disagree. I don't think that guy's really going to do much of anything valuable to save the economy. I think he's probably going to run it farther and even into the ground. I think you're right. I think that, uh, if anything, Barack Obama's presidency will help hasten the demise of the thing that we call the United States. And I hope this the guy, government. 
Yeah, the United States government. Uh, well, I mean, if the government's gone, then the United States is gone, too. Then it's just the states. Yeah, but when you when you say that the United States is gone, it sounds like there's a big gaping hole in America. I didn't mean that. I, I know you don't. The concept but, is gone, that's but, all. But, but people would think, some people might think that. And There's still America, if you want to call the right. continent America. I don't America. hate eagles. I don't hate flags. I don't hate apple pie. And I don't hate mom. I do, however, believe that the 535 drunken sailors calling themselves the, the Congress of the United States are spending like they've like like money might just disappear tomorrow. <laughs> like this is it. Any other thoughts, Discord? Well, yeah, I don't think the United States will disappear. I mean, the government will disappear, but I think the nation, as in, like the actual definition of nation, group of people commonly recognizing each other based on certain values, whatever they are, I think that'll that'll go on. But uh, I don't know. I think nation is something that's typically tied to a governmental factor. So I don't know about that. I mean, there are, if, yeah. if the U.S. government disbands, uh, then all kinds of different things could occur. I mean, you could have you could have an alliance, uh, the you know the Western alliance. You could have uh, one state going off on its own. Right. You if, you, have, if, if if the United States disappeared, I think what would you you would have is something like look at the look at the uh, red state blue state map. Mm-hmm. I think you would definitely see states like uh, Washington, Oregon, and California binding themselves together in some way. Uh, states up in the New England area. Probably sans, uh, new, hopefully sans New Hampshire, <laughs> yeah. uh, binding themselves together in some way. Well, you know what I'd like to see happen is some of those uh, free stater representatives uh, begin introducing secession bills like uh, next year. That would be great. Yeah. Well, this guy's honestly predicting he's going to break them into six parts. He seems to be uh, talking about it being based on like ethnically based lines, like basically kind of like ethnic warfare. Once the government's gone, there are the different ethnic groups are going to want to go. Where, where, so where are the ethnic divisions uh, geographically in the United States? I, I, I wish I need to know this. I actually don't have the article in front of me, but there's actually some. I think there might be some credibility. That I think I just recently this one uh, group of uh, uh, in, well natives. I guess it's the best way to refer to it. Uh, so they were pulling apart making their own nation. The uh, Lakota. Uh, yeah. Okay. There we go. That's them. Uh, they were doing that, and a lot of there's, uh, there's, there is there are some ethnic separatist movements. There's like the uh, Aztlan people. They supposedly have some kind of plot where they're going to like open well, the border and like bring sure, a bunch but of- um, uh, you know Lakota and b- both um, Aztlan Os- more so and Lakota less so um, are really just a very small group of uh, of, uh, of individuals in the, you know they're claiming some kind of geographic area and claiming it as their own. I I don't know that this uh, professor in uh, in in the Soviet you know, the former Soviet Union uh, really knows what yeah, the divisions <laughs> are there. There's Probably a lot of people with a lot of guns that are not interested in the area that Aztlan might claim that are not interested in the least bit in any kind of Asadlan. Yeah, um, but, but either way, I think this might be, yeah, this, the word response is really bringing this up. I think this really could be, you know, your, your the New Hampshire transession and uh a lot of other groups that want secession, too, could be there. Absolutely. I, I say secession by 2012, and I thank you for the call tonight. <laughs> 800-259-9231. Right. You laugh, Mark, but how long did it take the Soviet Union to split up? It, it, it went. Things went very, very quickly. You know, you just don't know. Whenever I mention secession to, to people outside of, you know, our little group, um, they're like, never happened. It'll never happen. It'll never, 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 never happen. And then they'll talk about how it is that the, uh, the representatives are not representing them and how they're not doing the things that they want them to. To do yeah. and how uh, you know, how poor government services people and, and it's all right and, they'll and, fix it in two and years and how many how much the Democrats or the Republicans depending on who it is that they're saying are just you know bad people and and the divisions and strife that are going on in the United States and how it's a nation of two you know two types or you know two different yeah. ideas philosophies or whatever well isn't that the kind of talk that secessionists would make 
we just have to make them, uh, I guess, see the see the light on this one, or hopefully help them see the light. I don't mean make them, but uh, over time, I think we'll be able to, as things become more dire, secession will become a uh, more uh, tasty response, another alternative option that people maybe hadn't considered too hard before. And especially if, again, from what I understand, there are four or five different free staters now that have seats in the House of Representatives that means they can start introducing legislation, and I know that they probably, you know, they're probably political guys, so they probably don't want to do something like this. But eventually, one of them probably should consider introducing some secession legislation, just to see what happens, just to start some conversations. Probably won't work, but at least it'll get a conversation started. We'll get some news coverage about it, and people will start talking about it. That's what we want. We want people to talk about the idea. Well, because if people aren't talking, then nothing, nothing's going to happen. I, I agree that uh, that. You know that that would be that likely would be a place to start. I can understand why some freshman legislators wouldn't want to get in and produce and um, introduce secession legislation. I, I can see the fear there. So you know we'll see how it goes. Toll free eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one to California, and we talked to Brian. Hello, Brian. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mark and Ian. Thanks hey, for having hey, me on your show. Good to have you here. What's free, on your mind? Hello, Free State Project member. Excellent. Um, I was. I was listening. I didn't catch the up when you guys were talking about the health care in Sweden and, and that, but I did hear the last caller that called in who was from Sweden. And I wanted to make some points, and I hopefully I don't, I'm not making the same points you guys already talked about or Go anything right ahead. like that. But I, I really don't um, – I hate it when people compare um, stuff like that, our, our health care compared to some other countries' health care, uh, for two reasons. One – it would be one thing if it was apple and oranges, meaning if we were a completely laissez-faire society and they are socialist. Mm. If, you, if we could compare it that way, it would be a good comparison to see which method is better. But right now we have you know, much of a socialism aspect in our health care as well right. and growing well, stronger. The pe- so many really of the people, no, but, nothing to compare uh, to. I, um, well, that is if you're comparing a uh, capitalist system versus a socialist one. However, what many people are comparing is their system versus our system. Which one's better? We need a better one than we have. Our stinks. How's theirs doing? Well, let's do theirs. You know, that kind of thing. So they're not really right. comparing it as socialist. Um, you know, they're not saying this is capitalist and this is socialist. They're just saying this one sucks and that one's better. Let's do that one. Yeah, the grass is always greener on the other side argument. Uh, but it, it amazes me how people are so quickly to use an argument to say why we need government. And it's hard to find people who are quick to make arguments on why we don't need government. And everybody always does that. Well, you look over there, look at their health care in Europe. They're so much better, and they have socialized health care. And it's like this argument that says, see, we need government. We need government. That's what's going to fix this. And that's what bothers me about comparing the two. I guess in a so. lot of ways, um, the, the European systems are buoyed by the United States system because a, a lot of the big pharma comes out of the United States. We pay higher uh, rates in order that's that true. they Canada can has essentially right, subsidize uh, these, these socialist systems. What would happen if you took the, uh, the, the people that were subsidizing the system and made it all socialist? I think it could. Party's it, it, over. Yeah. It could bring things tumbling down. Yeah, in some I guess ways. your frustration is one of the many reasons you've joined the Free State Project, huh, Brian? That is correct. And I <laughs> well, can't wait to get to New Hampshire and join you guys. Look forward to seeing you here. I thank you for the call tonight. 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. 1 800 259 9231. To 
This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything by dialing the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. So, Mark, you mentioned the uh, the Somali, or not the Somali pirates. Right? We could talk about the Somali pirates. But uh, the Stampede story, uh, we we haven't mentioned uh, Black Friday and, and what has gone oh, yeah. on, the madness that has uh, occurred today, the various shopping locations across the country. Well, at least one Walmart, uh, one Walmart, someone died this morning, and apparently it was one of the employees. Trampled. Yeah. According, it's crazy. According to the New York Daily News, a Walmart worker died after being trampled when hundreds of shoppers smashed through the doors of a Long Island store Friday morning. Uh, say police and witnesses. The 34-year-old employee, a temporary maintenance worker, tried to hold back the unruly crowds just after the Valley Stream store opened at 5 a.m. Witnesses said the surging throngs of shoppers knocked the man down. He fell and was stepped on. As he gasped for air, shoppers ran over and around him. Uh, apparently, they, uh, there's some video footage of the crowd. I have not looked at that. I don't know if you can actually see the guy being trampled. He was bum I don't rushed. think the video footage of the crowd necessarily is the same as the guy being trampled now. He was bum-rushed by 200 people, said Jim, Jimmy Overby, a co-worker. They took the doors off the hinges. He was trampled and killed in front of me. They took me down, too. I literally had to fight people off my back. Crazy. The unidentified victim was rushed to an area hospital where he's pronounced dead at 6.03 in the morning. The cause of death wasn't immediately available. 28-year-old pregnant woman was also knocked to the floor during the mad rush. She was hospitalized for observation, say police. Early witness accounts that the women, uh, woman suffered a miscarriage were apparently unfounded. Other shoppers suffered minor injuries. It still sounds like it was a disaster whether there was a miscarriage or not. Walmart spokesperson Dave Tovar called the incident a tragic situation. The safety of uh, safety and security of our customers and associates is our top priority, said Tovar. Our thoughts and prayers are with them and their families at this difficult time. Before police shut down the store, eager shoppers streamed past emergency crews as they worked furiously to save the store clerk's life. They were working on him, but you could see he was dead. People were still coming through. Another shopper said, they're savages. It's sad. It's terrible. And that's the story. So that's what happens. Sometimes sometimes things get a little bit nasty out there when uh, prices are a little too low, I guess, for the market. <laughs> Do you market. think this is good for Walmart or bad? I think this, I don't think it can be good. You don't think so? Because I, I wonder, how many people died trying to get sales at, you know, X store? You know, you, you pick your store. It wasn't that store. People die trying to get to the sale items in Walmart. <laughs> you know, that's that shows just how good they are. I don't know. I'm, I'm uh, wondering, is it good? Is it bad? I, it makes me want to know what the heck they were running for. It, I mean, what, It's usually like a TV or what something What was the like lost that. leader here that, that, caused, that, that caused all these people to rip the doors off of this Walmart and come in and trample an employee if, on their way in to get it? If I had the... Uh, uh, if I had the shopping uh, uh, circular in front of me, we could speculate at what it might be. But, but well, yeah, you would assume that it was the same one, and I think that, the, that they likely can't do that. They probably can't get enough of one particular thing to do every Walmart store in the country. I don't know how many yeah, their lost leaders there might be question. in different stores, but... Well, whatever it was, it was in Long Island. That's where it went down. And uh, so if you want to go to Walmart's website and put in the Long Island zip code, you could probably figure out what their circular looked like today. But usually, uh, let's explain, Mark, what a loss leader is for our listeners that may not know the, the retail slang 
a loss leader is an item that you advertise prominently at a very low price, in many cases taking a loss That, that would the be product. the idea. You, would, you certainly wouldn't want to make it seem as though your loss leader you're actually making money on because you know, that, that, would, that wouldn't be good press. Well, I don't, I don't think most people know what a loss leader is. I don't think, uh, most, your, I don't think your average shopper realizes that the, the uh, DVD player or television set that they're featuring on the front page of the brochure is, in fact, an item at which Walmart will lose money putting into your hands. I don't think they really realize that about hmm. it. All they see is a deal. They see DVD they, they player, don't necessarily five need, bucks. They don't necessarily need to know. Some may, some may not. Uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to say. I let's, certainly know what a lost leader is for a long time. Let's presume it was a, a $5 DVD player that cost the store 7 bucks, and they're selling it at a, you know, a $2 loss or something mm-hmm. like that. And so they'll have a whole pallet full of these things right at the basically at the front of the store because they understand that people are crazy and you just want to be able to get the product quickly. So they'll have that pallet in there and the people will run in and they'll grab what it is that they want and the cabbage patch kit or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever it, is. it is. Walmart will then hope they essentially have their fingers crossed that you're going to continue making around around the store, finding right. other things you're looking this for. This is the most important day of the year for them to get you in because the competition's huge. People are spending a lot of money on this day. Is as, as long as you're on their real estate, you're more likely to do some of your shopping there. Then right. they I, mean, I don't know why it is that people uh, shop on this particular day. Certainly, there's some good deals, good deals. out there. That's why it is. I mean, there are some darn good deals. So they come in, they grab the loss leader, and then Walmart's hoping that you won't just turn right around and go to the register. They're hoping you're going to go buy some jewelry in the jewelry department. They're hoping you're going to go buy, you know, some cables for the. Uh, if you just bought a DVD player, they're hoping you're going to go spend thirty bucks on some cables. They're hoping you're going to go back to the toy department to buy some toys for the kids, to buy some food, to get a snack, you know, candy bar on the way out at the register. And they're hoping you're going to spend more money. That's the point of the loss leaders to simply get people through the front door. That's all it is. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. But the problem is when it's so cheap. And it appears to be below what would people would uh, would expect to pay on the marketplace. Now, this is market value because it's what the seller's willing to sell it at. It's what the buyers are buying it at. So it is market value. Can't say it's not, but it's a lower level of what the market would normally be uh, be paying for, a pro- or what they would perceive of uh, as what they would normally pay for that product. And so people go a little crazy over that. It's kind of interesting to watch it happen, but. Yeah, I don't to know. To be in the I mean, middle of it seems it seems to be a little dangerous at the same time. When you look at plasma TVs, certainly everybody wants to have a plasma TV these days. Now, the price is really the issue. Some people are willing to buy plasma TVs at $3,000. Now, obviously, you have to pick your size, say 42-inch, I don't know. Um, at one point, they did. Now... What's that? A thousand dollars for one of these things uh, on They're average? Cheaper, yeah. On average, depends on the size. I, and and there's uh, different uh, levels of clarity too. There's a special level of clarity, and then there's a less. There's special. resolution. There's right. uh, 720 and 1080 yeah, lines the, of resolution. Those are the ones that I'm familiar with. Right. And the the, the terminology. I don't know. I don't pay much attention because I'm not going to buy one. Yeah. But <laughs> if they had one for a hundred dollars, I'd be there. For sure 42 inch LCD, you okay. and everyone else in town. I'm convinced. Yeah. At this point, I'm convinced. But, you know, that's really how it works in the marketplace. Every penny or every dollar that uh, it goes up or down, there's more or fewer, uh, fewer or more people that are willing to purchase it at that price. 
Perhaps you have a story. Maybe you are out and about today ignoring our advice to buy all your holiday uh, gifts at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com and instead hitting the stores, going around, doing the uh, the Black Friday thing, getting up early in the morning, 5 a.m., standing out in the cold. If you live up north, if you're in Florida, it's not so bad. Uh, but if you're living up north, standing out in the cold, waiting for the doors to, to be flung open and uh, waiting for the rush to begin, were you a part of that today from both the consumer side and the retail side? Do you have any stories you want to share? Not necessarily anything as dramatic as uh, someone dying in the aisles, but sometimes there are fights between customers, people are ornery, something was, uh, maybe something unusual happened at the customer service desk. Whatever it is you want to share with us, if you're out there, retail workers or consumers, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. The features include the live streams, broadband version, dial-up version, a webcam. We've got it all, and it's all free over at freetalklive.com. So enjoy all those features on us. And uh, join us coming up in March, the 5th through the 8th. It's the first weekend in March. It's going to be happening in Nashua, New Hampshire. What is it, you ask? It is the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, third annual 2009 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Going to be all kinds of liberty-oriented people gathered together in the same hotel for this amazing convention. Uh, There are liberty-oriented luminaries like uh, Glenn Jacobs from the WWE. You might know him as Kane. Dr. Mary Ruard, the author of Healing Our World. Uh, David Nolan, the founder of the Libertarian Party. Richard Heller from the Heller vs. D.C. gun decision. And many more. Please go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. Get the full list of speakers. Uh, Keep an eye on that website because soon the schedule will be announced as they, they after they flesh out the list of speakers as far as who's going to be attending. They still have another keynote to announce as well as probably a handful of other uh, other speakers that will be there. There are going to be panel discussions on liberty, panel discussions on activism. You're going to have the opportunity to socialize with hundreds of people that believe as you do, for the most part. They believe in freedom and they believe that uh, the maximum role for government in people's lives is the protection of life, liberty, and, pro- and uh, property. And you're going to find a lot of different uh, like-minded folks to talk to and to socialize with and to network and, and to to, uh, to party with after hours. It's really just a great time, and we recommend you be there because we're going to be there. We'll be broadcasting live the entire time. So uh, we'll see you there at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. You want to save 10% on the already low early bird discount? Use our discount code 2009FTL to save yourself 10%. That's 2009FTL. As we continue with your phone calls, uh, we go to the amp line, unscreened call. Who's this? This is Dale. Dale, calling from New Hampshire. What's on your mind? Hi, guys. Um, actually, um, this is probably a little out of the blue, uh, change of subject, but um, I was uh, checking out Facebook, and there's this promotional event that Starbucks is going to be doing where they donate five cents if you buy certain special holiday drinks to the Global Fund for AIDS, I think. Uh-huh. Okay. And... uh 
Uh, it just seems kind of comical to me. So, uh, and I'm basically writing up something about it, and I'm going to be starting my own event on Facebook for people to skip Starbucks for one day. Uh, these drinks are like four bucks a piece, something like that, and then five cents of that goes to the Global AIDS Fund. So, are you and, saying it's comical because you know, they're only giving five cents? Is that the comical well, aspect? It's comical, I think, because I suspect that I, it, I think I just sort of um, the insincerity of it just kind of it, it, it just kind of cracks me up. I mean, I, you know, I, like, I'm the last person to complain that they're that you know that a company is making money off of making something that people like. You know, that's great. But it's just sort of like they're trying to seem charitable and altruistic, and I just don't buy it. I, I, I suspect they're going to spend more money advertising this and promoting it than they actually end up donating from that mm. five cents a drink. <laughs> That's an interesting perspective. And um, my understanding is uh, from a uh, his nephew that uh, worked at Starbucks that it's the Frappuccino things, uh, you know, the, some of their more high-end drinks that they make the most money on, um, that their, oh, yeah. their largest margin is on. So the five cents is... You know, it's really pittance if they can sell another one of these that day. You know, if you if they can right, double right. their sales of these things oh, or whatever. Brilliant marketing. You know, I yeah, want to give kudos for like really, really brilliant marketing. But I think a lot of it comes down to for me is like what what, what just bugs me about it is all these people are going into buying Starbucks, you know, and they're spending four bucks on a Starbucks drink or something. Yeah. And then like I think what they're really selling to people is a little bit of an alleviation from their guilt. Because you know, some of these people are probably very liberal, and they're going in there and they're spending four bucks on a drink at Starbucks, and you know, meanwhile, you know, there's people in Africa dying from AIDS, and, right? And so, they're, five cents of what they're doing is of what they're buying is going to go to the AIDS thing. And so, or, I'm just telling people, if you're actually feeling guilty because you're having that Starbucks drink, then uh, just skip it one day, one day, and then donate four bucks, and and the amount that would actually go to that charity would be uh, phenomenal. Yeah, you know, great point. To, as though skipping as though skipping a, a frappuccino would do anything for somebody dying of AIDS in Africa, right? <laughs> you know? so, well, it'll do a lot more than actually buying the frappuccino and, and that five cents going to. Uh, what do you think it'll do more? You know, He's uh, saying so? if you took well, the four bucks and the four dollars, I see. My mistake. Instead of buying the drink and then they donate five cents, it's a yeah. You know, gotcha. so you put more money, uh, significantly more money, in the hands of the charity if you went about it that way. Right. And it wouldn't do really significant. I mean, if you're a Starbucks addict and you're drinking Starbucks every single day, as many of their clients do, uh, skipping one day isn't going to impact their bottom line too heavily, and it will do no, a hell of a lot more for the charity. This is not a boycott of Starbucks. I, 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 I don't give a shit. I don't oh, care about it. Oh, can't let you get away I, with that. Thanks, I, though. 800-259-9231. I don't know. We, we can't be tolerant of it, It's though, all right. He got his point out. Yeah, I mean, it was a fine point. I, I was a little lost in the beginning, but then it started to make real sense. And I think he's a, it's an absolutely brilliant point, actually. Yeah, those people are four bucks for a cup of coffee. The people that spend every single work day at Starbucks are spending a significant time. I mean, we're talking about a grand a year at least on coffee. Well, it's more than coffee there, you know. Dessert it's a feeling. It's, it's not just coffee. Well, it's it, a lifestyle. I used to go and get coffee at Starbucks. Um, just straight coffee. Well, coffee, and then I put sugar and cream and stuff in it. Okay. Their, their coffee is uh, so strong. Uh, such, in, in you know the their, their brewing process is so strong that even I wanted uh, sugar and cream. But um, you know, most people go there. They get uh, some kind of fancy dessert drink. Yeah. That's what Julia always gets. She gets the latte, the uh, peppermint mocha. Yep. Latte. <laughs> And she's totally addicted. 
So it's a good business. It is if you can get people to can continue coming back. But right now, Starbucks has been taking it in the. Uh, That's true. They closed take what, it in the six, wallet. They closed six hundred stores. I something believe. like that. It's it's been hard to sell uh, uh, four dollar cups of coffee in this uh, down economy. I guess. Uh, though I think from what I heard, they kind of overexpanded. I think they, from what I understood... Well, they overexpanded for what the marketplace would uh, handle right now. Maybe that's for so. Sure. Maybe you're right. Well, they overexpanded. They opened too many stores in too many places, and they had to shut them down. And from, from what I've seen, they've apparently brought in a loyalty card at this point, which mm. they never had before. So yeah, that's interesting. So you can sign up for their loyalty card and save 10%. So that way people keep coming back to Starbucks instead of considering what other options there might be in the marketplace. Brilliant move on their part, I think. I, well, it, if it works, it's a brilliant move. I have to say, I like the loyalty card. I mean, I don't know if it's a I buy, like a buy loyalty 10, cards. get one. I, I'm, I don't like them because I have to carry a piece of paper around with me. Yeah. I mean, every every uh, not only do these companies want to get a little real estate in your brain so that you're thinking about them, at that, they want real estate in my wallet, too, as though it's not bad enough on my back to sit on one of these things. Yeah, you know, but as far as I'm concerned, loyalty cards are for women with purses that can, uh, okay. can, can shove them full of crap. Well, now, if you're an addict, I mean, if you're somebody who's I'm there every single day, then if you're there, fi- if you're there five times a week and the loyalty card is saving you 10 percent or to buy 10 get one you know what there's a coffee shop here in town that has a loyalty program that i'm able to state my name at the cash register and they tell me how many cups of coffee i am away from my free cup of coffee crazy see now there's a lot better that's a great program now walgreens can figure out where you are anywhere in the country if you're if you're getting your prescriptions filled they they can tell your whole medical history off their computer why can't starbucks give me the opportunity not Hmm. to carry around yet another little card to identify myself i've never heard of such a thing that's a great idea I hate well, those things. I'm just telling you, Mark, if you are somebody who buys every day and that loyalty card's going to save you one tenth of the cost, I'd then rather that's give a company my, my uh, social security number <laughs> than to have to carry around yet another credit card sized <laughs> piece of plastic. Hate those things. 1 800 259 9231. The business card ones where they punch them out, it's better. Not it's as big. Re- it's because it's not as thick. Yeah. But it fit. still bugs the crap out of me carrying those things. Oh, well. I love the idea. That's a great innovative I idea. I know you though. love you love. They the have sa- a computer. You'll, you'll save anyway. That if you, if you could drop a pint of blood there, you and to, to save three bucks, you'd do this it. This coffee shop you're talking about is it computerized? Are they punching your name in a computer? Or they yes. just remember you. No, nope. computerized. That's cool. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Somebody is pretty upset. An upset email come in here. We don't get hate mail too often, uh, but this guy's pretty upset. We'll get to his email here and talk to you about what you want. Anything goes on Free Talk Live. Even in these remaining moments, we'll sneak you in at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call if you make it now at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Lots of ways to help promote this show. You can do so by going to promote.freetalklive.com. And when you go there, you'll see all variety of different ways. Most of them are completely free. A few of them are very low cost, like printing flyers. Obviously, you're going to have to pay for something like that. Uh, But we also have graphics, uh, vector graphics, things like that you can make your own flyers with and uh, help you uh, call local radio. 
radio stations and a variety of different ways to help Free Talk Live get into more ears around the country and around the world. Get all the details over at promote.freetalklive.com. And again, that's promote.freetalklive.com. We can hold off on the email because your calls are the primary element. So we go to the amp line, talk to Dan in Maine. Dan, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Dan? Uh, Well, I heard you guys were talking about all the donations that, you know, a lot of places are doing around this time of year. Yes. And I work at, um, I know you guys have a Hannaford and Keene, and I work at one in Maine. And um, something that they got going that's really good that, like, um, you know, a lot of people say, like, what do we do without the state, you know, providing this welfare for people? Well, you know, for an instance of one private charity, like, when stuff's about, just like Panera Bread, when stuff's about to go bad, we donate all of it, essentially. Great. To a lot of, uh, you know, private groups. Right, because you're kitchens and that kind of thing. And and the reason you do that is because you are not allowed to sell it, not because necessarily of some sort of governmental rule, but because probably Hannaford's has internal rules as far as quality is concerned. This kind of goes back to an I know I didn't know you not that you were calling for this point, but it kind of goes back to something we were talking earlier with some of our callers about the idea of quality control absent of government regulations. Do you know if that's a government regulation or if that's just a Hannaford quality thing? Um, I believe it's a it's a quality thing because you know I think most of our ex- expiration dates are set a little bit before they actually right. expire and we want to just get rid of them, you know. Yep. But we want to we're not we don't want to throw them out, so we donate them to a food pantry or something like that. Absolutely, and, and uh, that's why at some places you can actually find expired food being sold. Uh, if you go to a Big Lots or something like that, or you go to one, of, I don't want to make it. I don't want to make it sound like Big Lots would do something like this. I don't know if that's true. I've, I don't have enough experience with them, but there are these sort of Big Lot kind of stores where they're buying this older product at a, a pennies on the dollar, and they're selling it for a buck or less or something like that, and you know, damaged, dented cans and and things like that. Uh, regional foods that are sold out of their region, various different things, but a lot of times you will find expired foods being sold at these uh, these businesses, and it's clear that there's no law against it. Uh, it's just that they that's their business model, is to sell that old expired stuff, and in this case you're saying they give it to charity, and I think that's great that uh, you know people that are having a tough time eating are, are helped out uh, by the fact that this is such a wealthy economy. We're so wealthy in America that there's just so much food that just gets thrown out um, much of it is edible still, and it's uh, it's passed on to the people that can use that sort of thing. I think that's great. Oh, yeah. And on top of that, like lately around this time of year, November, December, we have this, uh, I don't know if you've been in one lately, they have a fund-a-piece box, which is $10 worth of, like, you know, your base nutritional needs. What which, do they call when it? You buy it? What's it called? When you buy it, it gets donated to... Um, that stuff gets donated to a local food pantry. And, and what's it's, the box? You said it's a something box. What is it? It's called a Fund a Feast box. It's ten dollars. Fund a feast. Oh, Fund a Feast. Gotcha. Yeah. As yeah. a matter of fact, I did see that, and I also saw something that uh, it just looked like you could buy food and put it in uh, for donation donation purposes uh, to the local food pantry. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I have to say I shop at your competitor, Price Chopper, uh, but but I do oh, yeah. I do like the fact that I think that it's okay that businesses give to charity. In a lot of cases, they don't um, they don't pimp it like uh, like Starbucks is doing. Sometimes they'll highlight it, but in many cases, it's just something that they do behind the scenes. I, yeah, for instance, it, in the, getting rid of the food with the expiration date is a behind the scene kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, and and one of the ideas is many people uh, like shop like. 
like you, Ian. They pick a they pick a store. This is where I go. This is uh, you know I've I've got the loyalty card. The whole thing. My wife's not like that. She she's just, looking at all the circulars and she comparing. Does. She looks. Uh, she decides what it is that she's going to get. She's got that kind of time on her she's hands. She's got the time. Yeah, that's and, true. And so she's gonna she's gonna look. And she really she finds some huge disparities in yeah. some in some uh, particular things. So she'll hit two supermarkets in a given week. What Hannaford's is hoping to do with uh, some of the largesse largesse uh, for uh, you know giving away and, and advertising it and that kind of thing is they're hoping to snag her. Uh, to being more loyal to her their store, and I think it's great. a great thing. Absolutely. Yep. Anything and else you wanted to share? Yeah. Um, onto that, you know, people saying that, you know, what what do we do with people that need food and that are on the welfare state? Well, being you know like a supervisor slash cashier there, um, I've been taught throughout my schooling that you know people abusing welfare is kind of like it doesn't happen as much as people think it does, but. It happens ridiculously a lot. Right. Well, there's all kinds of abuse of welfare that people aren't looking at. Yes, there are some people that, uh, you know, there's there's some guy out there claiming to be a woman with uh, five kids getting welfare. Chances are good he's going to get caught in the short term, um, you know, or somebody claiming to be hurt who's not, or uh, someone claiming to have more children than they do or not, and all kinds of different real welfare scammers. But there's also these people that haven't been incentivized to sort of go out and live life as you know, as as we would want them to in a productive manner, that will you know they'll they'll be generations on welfare as they're as they're called, and those people are they're they're not scammers, but they just haven't been incentivized. They've been de-incentivized to work. And I, I had a friend who I was in prison with, and I I think his name was Reggie, and I happened to see him out uh, at a movie theater one day several years after we had gotten out of prison, and I asked him, so what are you doing for work? And he said, I don't work. And he said, it in, he said it in a fashion like, I must be out of my mind Working for to have suckers. said that. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, so it, it creates this culture of, are you kidding me? Get a job? Man, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, why should I? I can collect oh, yeah. a check for doing nothing. Yeah, one, like, just to share, like, a couple of the absurdities that, Please. like, I, I've seen, like, on a daily basis. Um, you know, lobster's a big thing in Maine. Yeah. Um, you can actually buy raw lobster on your, you know, your food stamps. Ah, nice. And <laughs> I've seen people go through with $70 of raw lobster and buy it on food stamps. Sweet. Going to have That's a amazing. lobster party on the food stamps. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just outrageous. And then, you know, say something is, you know, like two of the exact same products. One's got a different brand, and it's like double the price, like, we have the regular bottled water and organic bottled water, <laughs> and they buy the organic <laughs> bottled water on the food stamps, which is like double the price. I don't understand why they would do that. You would think they would You'd get more, wouldn't you, if you didn't buy it? Yeah, you would think that they would, uh, you know, be still be incentivized to get the stuff that, uh, you know, would go farther. But I, you, you never know. I mean, it, the, these when the government gets involved in the marketplace, you have all these weird aberrations. Yeah. Um, and, oh, yeah. And, and obviously there are people out there buying organic water with cash, so that's an aberration, too, at the same time. But also they can, uh, it used to be food stamps were, uh, they, they look like little traveler's checks or something like that. Yeah. You could sell them. I think now they put them on uh, credit, a little uh, debit cards. cards. And so they're, they're much more difficult to transfer. Is that so? Yeah. They put them on uh, EBT cards, which is also like a debit card. You can have your bank account somehow linked to it, uh-huh. which is kind of crazy because you see people buying cigarettes and beer on the same thing as lobster with their food stamps. Oh, so they're bank- but, but their bank account's getting debited for the cigarettes and beer, but they... Yeah. Uh, 
like a cash balance and a food balance. Well, that's got to make people pretty mad, you know. I oh, mean, yeah. like if I was sitting back there and somehow I, uh, you know, the, behind in the line, and somehow I, I noticed that they had, uh, you know, one of these free government uh, welfare cards, these EBT cards, and I saw them buying cigarettes and beer and was uninformed of what you just said, I would be steaming. Hey, Dan, I appreciate your yeah. story and I thank you for the call tonight and hope you hope you get out of Maine someday. Oh, I'm planning to move to uh, Keene, actually, oh. because there's a Hannaford there. So. Well, fantastic. I definitely yeah. appreciate that, and I look forward to okay. seeing you in New Hampshire. Thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. Let's talk so, to you. Would you be less steamed if a person was getting lobster um, or with, if they were getting beer with their uh, government money? I, I wish they weren't taking the government money in the first place. So. Understood. I'm just I have no preference. Eating lavishly or uh, <laughs> drinking alcohol. I don't know. I, mean, it, I have no preference. It, cigarettes, I would like less than either of those. Let's go to Eric in New Jersey. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Eric. Hey, how's it going, What's guys? What's on your mind tonight? Uh, I just I called to encourage another caller that I heard. I believe it was last night. I was listening to the podcast. And uh, basically he called about um, the post office sending back packages and I just wonder where they get the the right to do something like that. Like I paid for shipping uh, from a package overseas, and a lot of times, you know, they won't leave that tag, or they actually have changed the rules on the tags on me before. Mm-hmm. They had a little check mark that said, uh, you know, if you authorize this delivery, sign here and check this box and leave this in your mailbox. Yeah, and I did that twice in a row. And just came back, and there was more mail piled on the top. So I was like, what the heck? How is he missing this thing? It's the only thing in the mailbox. It, they they uh, get away with it because they've got a first-class monopoly. Nobody can compete with them in the realm of first class, and that's just the end of the story. Uh, if you want more, call us tomorrow. We'll talk to you then at freetalklive.com in the meantime. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.